mediocre husky football podcast on the entire internet might even upgrade that by a notch today remember to subscribe rate review the podcast wherever you download podcasts we have two uh hosts and guests on the show today first uh you probably know her as number two in the power rankings of stand-up comedians who are also super fans of college football programs that they didn't attend as undergraduates behind nate bargetzi it's gaby lucas gaby how are you doing oh yeah Hi, I'm doing good. I was wondering who, who you were going with there. Like, who is the first? Um, but yeah, yeah I forgot. No, yeah, see, it's the, the only Vanderbilt super fan in the world. Yeah. Uh, which is a fact that I love. Uh, yeah, no, I'm doing, I'm doing good. And uh, not to yeah. bury the lead, but, uh, we're also joined by a Husky football player who has made headlines in the last couple months for the Pac-12 Unity Movement participation. It's Ty Jones. Welcome to the podcast. Ty, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm excited yeah. to chop it up with you guys. Very excited about that. Well, let's just get right into it. Uh, the last time we recorded, we talked about the release on the Players' Tribune of the letter from a number of Pac-12 players with uh, listing demands around COVID opt-outs, yeah. player involvement in safety standards, steps to address yeah. racial injustice, name, image, likeness rights, and revenue sharing. Uh, we talked through that. Uh, I want to ask you, Ty, uh, just, you know, I, first of all, just process-wise, regardless of what individuals might think about the content of the letter, I think it's really historic and significant to have yeah. this many players, college current athletes coming together in any way just to speak together. So how did that contact get started? Like, what was the process of working out the demand letter? How did you go yeah. back and forth around that? What kind of ongoing yeah. contact do you have? Tell us about yeah. it. I, I, oh, sorry. Um I can tell you a little bit about my perspective and how I got involved. Um, I know some of the guys that were at the forefront of this unity group were at Cal and they've been working on the, you know, the agenda and all that stuff. And they were, they were, you know, using some other, other, you know, information and other people to, to help contribute to that. But, um, as far as my involvement goes, um, that Monday it was released. I was probably informed about the group to be honest that Friday. And so, um, I knew that the con I knew that the given the the given circumstances we have have uh, today with you know racial injustice and you know coronavirus and you know other things I mean you could you get onto the list but um I, I figured this is no no other opportunity that we've had in the past to to get any change that you know it's it's long overdue so um I figured you know, I mean regardless of how people feel in the content I know everybody has different opinions I mean I have my own my own opinion I mean. It's not like everybody's going to agree with everything on that page. Me personally, I like me, you know, I think there could be some negotiation there. But um, as far as an opportunity that it presented itself, I figured that, I mean, I um, I know my some of my teammates didn't feel too, too confident in hopping right on board with that. And I knew that this had some, you know, some had some momentum and some, you know, some actual, you know, some content to it. And we can get some good change out of the side of that side of that get involved that Saturday and then. You know, that's when the communication started, and that's when we went public Monday and stuff like that. So was that happening over email, over social media? Like, yeah. how did the, the the people who started it, I guess you said they were at Cal, how did they know yeah. to get in touch with you, or were there other players also um, getting calls? 
Yeah, so th- this is kind of like where um, the, you know, pressure, to, not the pressure, but like, you know, I kind of feel obligated to, to hop in and lead on this movement is, I mean, the idea was put around to a few of my teammates before it even got to me. Some of my some of my teammates that are from California, they uh, they had some ca- some contacts out there. And so the idea didn't even come to me at first, but I knew, I, th- I thought it was a, good, a decent idea and I, I figured it was great circumstances. So I, and, and from, from what I was told, we didn't have a representative up to that point, and I figured, you know, knowing my, you know, team, I didn't think we would have somebody that would just hop out like that, you know, to just put themselves, you know, I don't know, out in the public's eye and coaches critique like that. So I, I figured I'd do it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And it's great to have somebody from Seattle, given everything that's happened in Seattle in the last few months, on both the the social justice struggles and the, the coronavirus situation kind of been at the forefront. Uh you you mentioned something a minute ago about you know the the content of the demands and, and kind of step by step. This is you know I, honestly I looked through this I would sign off on pretty much everything in that letter. So you're not going to get a lot of fight from the people on this podcast. But I will say just in terms of devil's advocate, I've talked to more than one person. You know probably several people who have said something along these lines. Uh, you know the the safety protocols makes tons of sense. The name, yeah. image, likeness things, like, we're, we're headed down that road anyway. Yeah. We might as well get some clarity. Uh, yeah. certainly, like, having more representation in the racial justice, uh, discussions is essential. But the thing that got the headlines is the 50% revenue share. Yeah. And I've heard people say, and I, you know, I understand where they're coming from in a sense, to say, like, if they're demanding something like that, it kind of makes mm-hmm. me not pay attention to the rest of it. it makes exactly. me not take it seriously. I just want to know, yeah. like, what what do you did you anticipate that reaction, and how do you respond to that? How do you feel about that? Um, I anticipated that reaction because I, I mean, I had that reaction myself, so <laughs> I already knew that. Um, knowing Twitter and knowing what uh, angry college football fans <laughs> would say is that we're selfish and you know stuff like that. But from from a personal standpoint, I could I could definitely see where they're coming from. I think um, I think anybody could see that fifty percent is pretty pretty uh ambitious if anything but um i think there's a lot of things to consider when when demanding a number like that i think um from my perspective i mean i'm still learning myself so i'm i'm not going to jump ahead and say like i agree with percent number i think um i think we could definitely increase at the minimum stipends at least i'm not i think you should go depending on the state you know um living standards stuff like that but i mean there, i i do agree that during, especially during the pandemic, there should, there should be no reason that no student athlete should be ever worried about rent and, you know, living totally. and um, stuff like that. Speaking of, though, because you mentioned the, um, how, you know, how, like, Twitter and is, like, the peak yeah. of, of, uh, like, angry instant social media takes. What has been, uh, what has been your experience, you know, the last, what, six weeks or however long it's been since I was yeah. drafted and published? what's been your experience as far as people specifically on that platform? Has it been as negative, positive? I know that some people can, a lot of people have had some really thoughtful reactions and some people just like how Twitter is with everything have, you know, been maybe not as thoughtful and a little bit more uh, emotional about it. What's (laughs) been your experience there? Um, It's, it's been, I mean, you're going to have negative always, but I mean, for the most part, it's pretty solid. I mean, Given the demographic I was in, I mean, I'm in Seattle, so I mean, you're gonna have some people that are pretty progressive, and um, they're gonna agree with some of the stuff to say. But I mean, on the flip side of that, if I, if I was a player from Alabama, I know I'd probably get a little bit different 
probably different yeah. response. But for the, for the most part, I mean, people, I mean, I've had people reach out that I haven't, you know, I mean, staff that I haven't heard from since I took their class freshman year that's just reached out and just, you know, tell me that, you know, they're here, they need me and they're proud of me and stuff like that. So, so the support's been good from people I know personally, but social media, I mean, it's, it's all right. It means solid for the most part. The fans, <laughs> fans, fans, I mean, they're pretty split up, but I mean, they want to watch some ball, so I can't blame them. Yeah, I kind of totally. want to see that, like the top ten list of the the dumbest responses or the most uh, knee jerk responses, and and uh, just put those out with the people's names on them, so we can yeah. uh, you know identify yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we talked about. I think you know you addressed the the revenue sharing piece in a yeah. really thoughtful way. Um, I think, like I said before, that tends to overwhelm the rest of the discussion, but I think the rest of it is really worthwhile and worth spending yeah. a little bit of time on. Uh, yeah. You know, particularly, uh, we've seen a little bit across the country, like University of Texas has done some things in terms of like renaming the field and some of their facilities. Uh, when you talk about uh, the the items uh, around doing more for racial justice, what are some of the types of, of examples you'd like or actions you'd like to see the schools around the Pac-12 take that would help do more to promote racial justice in those communities? Um, to be honest, if you really want to touch the black community, you know, the biggest way possible. I don't think it starts with social media and, and the, the platform. I think it starts with your practices, and that has to do with them. Um, I mean, that this, from the, for the most part, the economic standpoint for me, because um, my biggest motivation behind the economic thing was, was the racial injustice. And, um, you know, considering that, depending on where you look in the country, you could see upwards of 50 to 60% of the team being black. And considering that, um, you know, we are disproportionately, you know, a majority of the team, we are wasting maybe the prime of our years and considering that, you know, 2% of college athletes go to the league, I think people are wasting the prime of their youth and the prime of their, um, their, you know, their lives to, to, instead of building generational wealth and building a, a foundation for their family, they're, you know, you know, chasing this dream. I mean, it's, it's cool. Keep chasing it. But like I'm saying, there should be a little bit more stuff so we can start, you know, building totally. generational wealth, you know, investing in stocks, you know, start building an investment portfolio. And I think, I think it starts there to be honest. I, um, that actually, I like that you say that because that has made me, I've been thinking about kind of the implications of that, uh, in a, in a positive way, you know, as far as, um, revenue sharing or whatever the last few, few years as that started to become more popular, an idea, um, where, you know, you always hear people say like, oh, if we start that or players are able to get money or some sort of compensation, but then it'll just turn into like, you know, the, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, which a, you know, Alabama is already Alabama. <laughs> like they're already pretty yeah. rich. Um, but yeah. the one thing that kind of popped into my mind that uh, might be true is that if players were receiving some sort of compensation besides, uh, you know, tuition and all that, um, that they would maybe be able to stay in college for longer um, yeah. and then obviously have a more, comprehensive education um and potentially you know if they're players that are going to the nfl um maybe play their way into a higher draft grade and earning more money in the long run do you think that's something that would happen no that, that would definitely you definitely see that happening and um especially i mean considering walk-ons have it the hardest i think um mm-hmm. yeah i think um you know seeing any change would definitely be huge but um I think as far as the first and second round grades, I think it'll definitely, you know, extend a lot of people's careers, you know, give them the amount of, uh, the money, you know, the, the, the decision making process pretty much. That's what you're pretty much giving people by giving them, yeah. money, you know, 
you deciding what they, they can do with their time and with their money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think the the larger point that you're making uh, around you know, looking at the big picture and, and how yeah. this can affect people's lives instead of just the short term, like, oh, we can, mm-hmm. you know, you know the, the negative stereotypes about people, sometimes teenagers getting money yeah. and, you know, being irresponsible with it. I, I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, one of yeah. our, our colleagues on our, our website floated yeah. out an idea about how, you know, maybe if, if we really need to stick to amateurism, why not just make it available to scholarships, not just to the players, but to their family or their friends or whatever uh, as mm-hmm. well. And I, I think, you know, that's kind of in the same vein that let's not treat this as a short term, yeah. uh, yep. you know, bump, but a long term way to lift up a group of people. Because like you said, college football and football pro sports to a large extent in the United States are a way uh, for a, a group of people that has historically been economically disadvantaged to get put in a better position. So, you know, if 50% is a starting point or an ending point or whatever, uh, I think yeah. you're, you're raising the right questions in terms of, uh, you know, trying to, to start a discussion around that. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk a little bit uh, about other topics away from the Pac-12 Unity Movement. We're going to look a little bit at the current uh, football season, non-season, uh, the state of the Husky program, and talk a little bit about Ty's backstory, which I have been assured is very interesting. So I'm looking forward to hearing it about that as well. All right. Thank you for sticking around. Uh, we are now going to talk a little bit with Ty Jones, a Husky wide receiver, about the current status of the Husky program and the season that is or is not happening right now, depending on where you look. Um, I think, you know, the biggest question for me, just starting out, you know, we're, we're in a very strange environment. I know your experience has probably been as disjointed as everyone's uh, day-to-day experience has been. But what would be, what would you say is the biggest difference or differences you've seen so far between, uh, Chris Peterson and Jimmy Lake as a head coach? Ooh, the biggest difference. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's tough. Um, I'd probably say energy a, a little bit because I think, um, you know, coach Pete's a little bit more calm, mellow, and he does a lot of his, uh, you know, a lot of his intensity comes with the, the way he, or the words that he's saying, not with how he says it. Coach Lake, he's just, you know, he's, he's, he's a young, new energy. And, you know, I think he'll bring, a, you know, the passion out of a lot of guys. And I think you need that, you know, that, that new juice to, to push us to the next level where we want to be. And, um, yeah, so I think, I think the, the biggest difference between them is probably the energy and the, and the juice that I know, like, he's excited to, you know, take the reins and just take this program to the next level. So. I'll say, sure. do we know, do we know if, because uh, Coach Pete had those, like insane camo purple camo pants that made an appearance i feel like once a year does coach lake oh. have those too please let oh, me answer that yes <laughs> I, to be honest i have no clue i haven't even i haven't seen much oh. of lake lately since coin i'll let you know oh, it probably good. gets cut off like below the waist on the zoom calls i did see when they, they he did the uh uh first pitch for the uh Mariners game oh, yeah. where he, he oh, could yeah. really like he he could throw a baseball I mean he must have played competitively when he was oh, younger he's, oh he's a competitor in anything I, I didn't I'm using the pitch but I already know this and he because I mean just knowing him I mean it wasn't yeah. just like, the pitch was high quality but the windup yeah. was like Taylor like he, he <laughs> the has was mechanics was you know yeah. uh so I mean we're we're at a point now where in another universe we'd be looking at game plans for the UW Michigan game and you know I'm sure yeah. you're as as you're frustrated that that's not happening as anybody. Yeah. Uh, 
so with without that on the calendar, what's the training been like, and you know what kind of preparation have you been able to do? Basically, since yeah. the season got either canceled or postponed, depending on how you look at it. Um, since the since season got postponed, we've um as a team we've just been lifting. I mean, the guys they've had the option to leave, so um a lot of these guys who are out of state, some of them have already left home, and we we are still sent weekly workouts, and you know you, you got to hold yourself to that standard to to be able to do those on your own. But um for me, I, I'm still up here in Seattle, so a lot of us. A lot of the local kids and some of the kids who didn't want to go home necessarily are up here still lifting and, and running, but we're not necessarily doing anything contact, obviously. But for right now, we're just, I mean, for right now, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit uncomfortable state for everybody, I think, because we're not necessarily like, we don't know when that, you know, light of the tunnel is. Because, I mean, I mean, I'm probably not the only one to think this, but I don't, I don't know what is going to happen to our issues by spring. Like, I, I don't know if yep. they're just going to evaporate, but. <laughs> At the same time, I, I don't know if it's just something that we're going to have to end up living with. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think anybody has any, you know, long-term answers at the moment. But, um, I, I mean, it's kind of just like, you know, training and just like, you got to keep yourself motivated in a time like this. Cause, I mean, a lot, a lot of the guys can separate themselves, to be honest, in a time like this. If you got a year to, you know, a lot of these guys are going to take it off and, you know, think they got, you know, time to get back in shape and stuff like that. But, I mean, if, if you really apply yourself and you take advantage of this time, a lot of these kids can separate themselves. But um, as far as the training process goes, yeah, it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit, you know, you're not, you know, you're not really necessarily, you don't have like a, a game to look forward to. You don't really necessarily have like a date in mind what you're training for, but you mean you're just working every day to get better. That's what we came here to do. So, so outside of the weight, oh, outside of the weights, is there, are you, do you have a playbook you can, you can study? Do you have guys you can play catch with? And like, what kind of stuff are you able to do other than just like hit the weight room? Um, at, I mean, if guys, guys can link up, you know, on, in their own part of time in small groups, you know, we try to keep it minimal, but I mean, we'd like to do throwing like, you know, on our own, but, um, as far as, you know, team goes and in the stadium and like coordinated workouts and stuff like that, nothing, nothing like that. But uh, we definitely do have like our, you know, we still are installing our offenses. You guys know we have, we have new OC, so we're definitely all still studying weekly, weekly meetings and, you know, we're having tests and stuff like that and, you know, holding ourselves accountable. Um, also, so related to, you know, how we're talking about, uh, not, not necessarily knowing what the, what the schedule's looking like going forward, when seasons will be, et cetera. Um, are you guys paying any attention at all to like in the big 12 and SEC and ACC, how their attempts to do a fall season is going? I just, I'm just wondering, cause you know, like today, Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley said he has a whole position group that's wiped out and I'm like, (laughs) like, do you guys have any? Are you guys kind of keeping yeah. a one eye on that or having thoughts on it? <laughs> yeah, well, we we are definitely paying attention to that. Um, um, I think a lot of us feel like a lot of the conferences are kind of just kicking the can down the road as far as they can. I mean, because there's still – I don't know what medical advisor board would just, you know, feel comfortable with just sending their kids out right now. But um, I feel like a lot of these, you know, conferences that are located, you know, towards the, the southern end of the state are just going to – you know, kick the count as far as they can. And then, you know, I don't know. Who knows what happens in those, uh, you know, as far as executive standpoints and goes as far as, you know, getting the approval they need. I don't, I don't know how that goes, but we are definitely paying attention. And right now, um, I guess we're going to have to wait and see if they play. I have no clue, to be honest. Yeah. That's totally, yeah. I think that's totally, totally reasonable to just <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah. be a human but version I, of the shrug. 
Yeah, if if Oklahoma, all the Oklahoma fans are probably like they hear a position group is wiped out and they're like, "Come on, long snapper." Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's a defensive line, we're in trouble. It'd be yeah. almost as bad as their defensive line two years ago. Uh, yeah. Well, along those lines, so it's what's it's gonna be. It's got to be very strange for you and and the rest of your teammates that there's a college football season starting like now or some version of yeah. it. You know, who knows what it's gonna look yeah. like. Are you going to be watching this? I mean, this has got to be a totally different experience than what you're used to because, I mean, I'm a guy who goes to Husky football games, and I feel like yeah. I'm missing out on two-thirds of the college football season. I'm not playing yeah. in the games. I mean, this yeah. must be, like, the first time since you were in high school that there was a chance to, like, follow college football. Are you going to be, like, cheering for some team from the, somewhere else in the country or watching the games? Yeah. I don't know about cheering, but I'll definitely be watching <laughs> And uh, scouting, but <laughs> <laughs> you have any high school teammates playing in Nebraska or something? <laughs> I have, a, I have, a, I have my old, my old, uh, my my quarterback, my junior in high school. He played safety at Stanford, so I mean, obviously they're not playing either. But um, as far as yeah. like uh, Oklahoma State, I have a line. I have a teammate who uh, is a freshman at Oklahoma State, so if they ended up playing, yeah, I definitely, uh, there we go. I definitely be cheering out for him. But um, I feel like you know, a, a lot of our our team is going to be pretty sad watching the season. I mean. I don't. It's. I can already anticipate the the emotions that everybody's going to be going through. I mean, especially if somehow these these other conferences do end up playing. Like I don't know. Even in a seven eight game season, I think it's going to be tough to watch because, I mean, a lot of us, especially for me, like I, I'm coming off an injury. Like you know, I've been training my ass. I, mean, I don't know. Sorry, apologize. <laughs> You've been training my butt off. <laughs> okay, I've yeah, said I'm, worse. I'm gonna, <laughs> okay, but yeah, I've been training my ass off, man, and I'm I just. It sucks because I was, I was looking forward to the season, but it's like, damn, man. I don't know. It, it, it's a trade-off. But, um, yeah, a lot of the teams going to be pretty pretty sad watching this upcoming season, and I, I don't really necessarily know how they feel um, as far as, you know, I don't know, not, yeah, not playing. Whether at, I know a lot of people are – I don't know what's going to play out as far as transferring. I don't. I haven't heard anything from our school at least, but I know a lot of – some. I, I'd assume some kids in the Pac-12 are going to end up transferring somewhere, so it's going to be interesting to, to watch that play out. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Everybody's just figuring it out as it goes goes along. I don't think there's anybody withholding information. Nobody knows any of the information. That that raised a question for me, too. I have a a friend who's a high school football coach who insists that if the season gets moved to the spring, that the the combination of playing a spring and a fall season in the same calendar year is going to be worse on the bodies of the players than it would be to just go out and play now. And, I mean, I know you're not a – medical professional but yeah. do you have any do you think that trying to play two seasons in a calendar year is even doable from a physical standpoint if we get to that point no and i don't even play offensive linemen so <laughs> yeah right that's some of my receivers like i mean like if i play linebacker running back like that's the definite no and um unless they expect players to take hgh then i, I, I don't think having a <laughs> Season in the spring and the fall is pretty realistic. That's just that's just my, my opinion. Yeah, that's why we got to have that that medical council that we talked about earlier, so people can make recommendations. Yeah. Like, let's just start getting more HGH in the in the system. Yeah. <laughs> if we are right. all dope. No, I guess that that wasn't a serious suggestion, but it was a. a <laughs> it may be yeah. think outside the box. We're all figuring it out. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh man, uh, um, it actually does make me think of something though, because like you mentioned, how you know you're rehabbing from that injury. Um, yeah. Do you think that maybe – I, I know, um, for example, like in the NHL, a lot of guys, like a lot of teams, when they came back to the playoffs, a lot of people were like, yeah, I've never felt 
healthy for such a long time yeah. because of that break, you know, so they kind of have time to recover yeah. wear and tear of a physical game, you know, like football um, that maybe they hadn't had since high school or junior high or whatever. Do you, do you think that could potentially be uh, with the delayed season kind of an unintended positive side effect or, or do you think I'm kind of reaching there? No, you're you're definitely not reaching. I think there there are several unintended positives that can come out of all this time, especially for the upperclassmen. But um, as far as injuries goes, I, I mean, for me, like I, I mean, I felt the best I have in you know since I've had the injuries. So I mean, this is definitely a positive for me. And um, as far as you know, a year as far as just continuing to get healthier is only gonna you know improve my game. And hopefully, I get this attack this year and you know come in the, the mm-hmm. best shape I've ever been. And a lot of players can, but I mean. Even outside of health, I, I think um, a lot of upperclassmen, if they use this time right, like they should, um, they can focus on a lot of things like career development. I mean, as far as outside of football goes, and I think um, by dangling a, a, a season in front of people's faces and coaches, kind of like I don't know, I, it's not my institution specifically, but I've heard I'm not going to like spit out teams, but like I've heard around the country, like some. T- uh, teams are like forcing players like stay on campus and it's like you know mm-hmm. um you know working out and stuff like that and some of these guys are retro seniors and like some of these guys don't have have any chance to go to the league as it is like a lot of these players are being you know they're wasting wasting a lot of their precious time that it could be used towards career development internships okay. um networking stuff like that yeah no that totally makes sense that's that's i think that's a yeah. really really smart point that um uh, yeah i'm glad that you bring that up especially because so many people um, so oftentimes, sometimes, yeah. oftentimes think of, you know, you guys as just like, oh, like kind of football robots, which obviously yeah. isn't true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But, um, I've been, I mean, me personally, like I've, I've gotten a lot done as far as off the field this, this, this off season as well too. So, so that, that's been a, a bright spot for me and, and it sucks seeing some, you know, some of these retro seniors working out and not really sure when this season's going to happen and not necessarily giving any, giving any other career paths a, a thought. Mm-hmm. At least. Do you guys know, um, just before I forget, even though this is kind of probably should ask this a few questions back, but um, if, I think like a week or two ago, it was, it was mentioned in a press conference or something um, that there was a, a possibility for um like a fall camp that's kind of in the same vein as us is like how spring football is, uh, you know, later in a few months or something. Do you know if that's, that's something that uh, is on the table, like seriously or. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I know if if we get approved on our leg plans on it, I mean, that's, that's, I've seen every team in the pack is planning on doing some form of spring ball in a few months, if we can get the approval and, I don't know what they're waiting cool. on. <laughs> some approval. I don't know. Some miracle, but a lot of teams are waiting to get the approval. But yeah, I think a lot of teams are going to be planning on spring ball in a few months, if possible. Cool. That'd be very fun. <laughs> From a, oh yeah, that'd be going, fun. <laughs> without going after going nine months, even just as like a as a fan, yeah. once they you know, couldn't do spring ball then, and then you know the season's postponed. I'm, I'm part of me is like. Please give us fall camp. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the inner squad scrim- scrimmage never sounded so entertaining. I, I mean, it must yeah. be especially true for you after you know, obviously got into a couple games last year, but mainly dealing with the injury rehab yeah. that you mentioned before. Do you, if we do get some real football in the spring, or even if this rolls over into next fall? 
Do you yeah. have personal goals for yourself for what that next season will look like? Obviously, a lot has changed since the last time you were healthy and playing. Different coach, different coordinator, different quarterbacks, different you know position yeah. group teammates. And what what kind of goals do you have? And what do you think the you what do you think this offense will do to kind of yeah. let let you reach those goals? Um, I think um getting JD and John Donovan this was huge. Um, for me personally, I I expect you know the highest of standards possible. I think, I mean, this guy, my goal is as far as setting goals, I set them, you know, as high as ever. So at least all, all, uh, first team all pack 12, that's the goal. At least, you know what I'm saying? I think, I think this offense will enable us to do that too. And, um, I think JD with, with some new, new ideas and new energy and coach Lake, I think, um, with the weapons we have coming back on offense, I think, you know, our team could excel, but, um, me personally, yeah, I, I definitely hold myself to a high standard and, you know, that's, that's what makes, it's difficult uh, as far as the season goes because I mean I wanted to manifest some of these some of these goals I had, but um yeah I, I expect myself to to step in and be you know one of the best in the country. So, so that that makes brings up a, a a question for me. If you can't respond to this, let me know. I'm not going to hold it against you. Uh, this is uh, uh we talked earlier about like the negative reactions you see in social media message boards and things like that. I think there's a lot of skepticism around John Donovan because he hasn't been. Uh, as well known, hasn't been, yeah. you know, he's been with Jacksonville, which I don't think people in Seattle largely intimately follow the position groups on the Jaguars. Yeah. And, and, you know, just down the road, everybody despises Oregon to a, a ridiculous degree. And they hired the guy who took over for him and had more success in the, you know, in the end as the yeah. state offensive coordinator and uh, Joe Moorhead. So, you know, if you, if this is something you can't comment on, that's totally all yeah. right with me, but I, I would love as an optimist to hear, you know, your uh, sales pitch for what, what makes John Donovan the right guy for this job. Um, I think JD has an understanding for, for our strengths as, as far as our personnel goes. And um, I mean, as far um, I think we'll see a lot more explosives as far as I think we're a lot, we'll be a lot more explosive and um, JD brings that energy and that enthusiasm that you need. You like it's hard to explain if you're not necessarily a player, but you have a few coaches that you, you definitely want to play for, and, and JD is definitely one of them. And I think that um, he's he's very intelligent, and the way he he sets up our plays with you know you know pre snap stuff, I can't really go into detail on that. But uh, as far as um, creativity goes and explosiveness, I think um, the fans will be very very surprised. That that is, I, I think anybody who listens to that, I, I have a couple of people who I know in mind who I've seen it kind of skeptical on those exact topics. So I think it'll be music yeah. to their ears. Uh, Gabe, do you have any uh, any other questions about the current uh, program? I, I do want to give Todd a little bit of time to talk through his backstory because I'm excited to hear about this. Um, no, I think you pretty much covered it. Uh, yeah, I, I know, I know I'll be like lying in bed about to fall asleep tonight and be like, oh shoot, I should have asked something about that. Damn it. But well, I, as far as I know, this is just a permanent thing and every, every other two, Wednesday, whatever day of the week this is, Tuesday, we're just going to be doing this from now on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. yeah. You're, you're this, is just, this is just your, your audition tape. Uh, so Ty, walk us through your backstory. I think a lot of fans, uh, know you came to UW, uh, from Utah. Uh, but probably don't know a lot that came before that. So can you tell us about how the path that brought you to Seattle? Yeah, of course. Um, so a little bit about me. I'm, uh, I was born in Oregon, which is, uh, five minutes from Provo and then just moved five, five feet from there and then uh, lived there till I was 18. But, um, 
little bit about myself. Um, uh, I it's, I grew up pretty, not pretty, extremely poor. Um, my parents both struggled uh, and still do. At least one parent does. Um, the drug addiction growing up, and um, I remember as an uh, as a young one, I'd have to look after my you know siblings and take care of them because you know we didn't have that uh, those figures to to help us. So we'd uh, we'd have to learn young, and um, so I ended up going to the, uh, through the foster care system uh, in the third grade, and I think I believe I got out around seventh grade. Once my aunt took us in, luckily she um, she qualified as a foster parent because I mean I don't know if you guys know about the foster system at all, but it's 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 a give and take. You can either have extremely empathetic and compassionate uh, parents, and they actually want to improve people's lives, or they just want the check. So. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I had a, a few uh, people take me in who just wanted the checks, and you know, you have some stuff that goes down there. But um, yeah, I went to the foster care system, and I, luckily, my 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 parents ended up uh, not necessarily getting completely sober, but um, enough to to for the state to approve us to go back to their household. And you know, uh, grew up in a me and my mom were really close, despite you know her you know yeah, drugs and stuff like that, and. My dad, my dad was pretty abusive growing up to all of us. Um, but I mean, I, I want to change it for the world, to be honest, because I mean, my dad, me, and my my dad's relationship is growing today. Because I mean, he 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 recognizes all this stuff that he he's done to me, my siblings. But it, I mean, it made us who we are. But um, yeah, so eighth grade got back around with my parents and stuff like that, and ninth grade. So to be honest, I did, and a little bit about me as far as football goes. I didn't play football until freshman year of high school. Um, up to that point, I was just playing video games and just getting fat. And uh, my dad actually forced me to play football because <laughs> I was getting fat. And so <laughs> my first half of my freshman year, I was actually playing some left tackle. And then I made the transition to to receiver once I started dropping all the weight. But um, <laughs> um, as far as my upbringing goes, um, I got two older brothers and a younger sister and um, as you can imagine, growing, growing up in a household, you have some siblings that, uh, you know, do well in that environment. That's that incredibly difficult environment when they're younger and some siblings that don't. And so, um, you know, I'm struggling to, you know, keep up with my family a little bit, but I mean, I'm just, you know, trying to, trying to do what I can here to, to, you know, teach my kids and teach them and give them things that I, I never had. So a little bit about myself. So that's, I mean, it sounds from, from the little we've talked to you, it sounds like you've got like an extremely good perspective on things. Like even what you talked earlier about using this, this break from football to further your professional interests and get a head start on your career after college. Yeah. Did you have kind of professional role models or what do you credit that, that kind of perspective to? Because I, I know a lot of people who come up, uh, from that kind of background not having, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, like being able to see their way out of it, it becomes even harder uh, to, to mm-hmm. change that trajectory. So what what do you credit that to in your life? Um, to be honest, um, a lot of black kids growing up in low-income uh, neighborhoods, uh, they don't have a lot of role models to, to look up to, and uh, unless they're athletes, to be honest. And, and, and mine was an athlete. I mean, that's that's why I'm here. And it was Tara Lawrence. Tara Lawrence from the Dallas Cowboys and the Cowboys fan, so... Uh, I grew up watching a lot of PO, and uh, that was that was my role model. That's that's what necessarily made me love football and maybe get into it. But um, I feel like um, as far as 
role models in general, I feel like the black community doesn't have enough role models to look out, look up to, especially outside of the entertainment industry. So, um, I think that's definitely something that, sorry, not to go back to the unity thing, but I mean, I think, um, Pac-12 could do a better job of hiring executives that are, you know, look, look like they're, they're athletes, you know, a little bit, but, um, yeah, growing up, I didn't necessarily, um, have role models outside of Terrell Owens. That was my biggest, I was his biggest fan, and that, that was, that was me wearing, wearing his, wearing his jersey. And watching the games with my dad, that was, that was, a, that was our thing. That's, that's a really cool. I, I, you know, I know this is a kind of a serious conversation, but it, at some point in the, your football career, I really hope we can get a, like a tearful, that's my quarterback interview, uh, <laughs> just in honor of Terrell Owens, because that, that would, I mean, that would just bring it all together, I think. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and also, so, I mean, do, do you think that, that that um, experience and you know your life experience and upbringing, do you think that has especially affected how you know you kind of came on with the Pac-12 Unity movement and uh, you know wanted to shape that? Yeah, it's it, it's definitely because I mean, um, low-income you know black black kids are definitely being affected probably the most. I mean, if anything, an increase in stipend would would do little if anything for a lot of kids because I mean a lot of kids. Some kids come from wealth, and some kids, you know, have kids call their parents, you know, and say, "Hey, I'm struggling. I need some money." But for me, if anything, money's going home. It's not. It's not coming in. And so I think um, why I'm so passionate, and it's fine for myself to be honest, because obviously I'm a, I'm an upperclassman, and a lot of these benefits we're probably gonna be seeing for a little bit, but um, it's gonna be impacting hopefully future ties in the, in the futures. And so um, my upbringing definitely, definitely uh, impacted what I'm doing now, and what probably what I will do for the rest of my life to help kids like me. So yeah. That's really cool. And thank you for like all that you and, and all everyone in that group has been doing. Cause it is a leap of faith and, a, and definitely, uh, you know, you guys trusting in yourselves and also kind of trusting in the public yeah. to have empathy. And I think that's something that is super commendable and something that I think we can all definitely like strive to emulate. Thank, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So I think that's, yeah, that's an awesome story and thanks for sharing it. Uh, when we wrap up, we usually give a quick, uh, plug or recommendation for something that we have been into over the last couple of weeks, like a TV show, book we read, song we, something we've listened to on Spotify, whatever, like whatever we recommend. Uh, Ty, you're welcome to join us for that if you want and you can go last if you want to do it or we can just skip you as well. But Gaby, do you have something you want to start with first to give Ty uh, you know, 30 seconds to think of something that he's got on think. his Netflix queue. Um, oh my God. My, my, the thing with my plugs is that they've gotten more and more just kind of depressing as like what well, we started this just about a year ago. And it was like, Oh, I have this show here, 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 here. These days come check them out. Or like, Oh, this book I just read or this show or like my friend's album's coming out. And now it's like, what was it last time? I just plugged pickleball as a concept. <laughs> like, like I, I, I feel like I have to have something better than it's gonna devolve to like, um, I don't know, doing squats on a bozu ball until you go insane. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Let's Save go that for with. Next um, That's not a good one. Yeah. You gotta have that in your in the chamber. Yeah. Um, I, I recently rediscovered the TV show, and so help me God if I already plugged this like six months ago. Um, come to my house and punch me in the face. Uh, I 
but I recently rediscovered the show Pushing Daisies, which have I said it before? I don't remember. Okay, I'm not going to call you out on it. If you did, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Um, but yeah, it uh, it's probably you know I'm sure there's plenty of people who listen to this who would not be a fan, but it's it's very it's like what 12, 12 13 years old. Um, it's narrated by the same guy who narrated the uh, the Harry Potter audiobooks and is about a murder detective slash pie maker who can touch people when they're dead and bring them back to life, but only for 60 seconds or else someone else dies. Um, and it's very kind of uh, visually very colorful and kind of funky and is is very wholesome as well. So I discovered that it's been nice in uh this time all right yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put on the list a book that i've really enjoyed um not to i I know we try to kind of get away from football when we we do these things but this actually is a book about football but it's uh it's a book about the history of the nfl it's extremely long and it's extremely detailed it's called america's game the author's uh what's that so don't make it sound so appealing, God. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, no, this is one of those books. I, I almost never have this sensation. I read it on my Kindle and I see the percentages and I'm like goal driven enough that I want to get to the end. But then I'm like, yeah, but then I won't be able to read it anymore, uh, which is kind of uh, ridiculous. The author's name is uh, Mike McCambridge. It's the books I think came out in 2004, 2005. So it's it, it's chronological. Uh, and it doesn't end, you know, it doesn't get up to the present, but it's talking through the history of like, uh, the, the innovation of face masks on the football helmet and like how that came about, uh, because oh, wow. guys were getting punched in the face too often and like, <laughs> you know, guys smoking cigarettes on the sidelines during oh, games wow. and stuff. Uh, it's, it, you know, back into the 1930s and 40s. And there are all these little nuggets in there that I, I had never heard before, like, uh, the, the publicist who helped establish the New York Giants in the 1950s it, it, as like a, a popular thing in New York city uh, against the, the Yankees was uh, the father of Matt Groening who invented the Simpsons. Like they made the Simpsons and I and somebody working for a PR firm in LA when the Rams first moved there is the father of Al Michaels. It is like all these weird connections to people through history and, and, you know, the, the hearing about these, like the, you know, Lamar Hunt owns the, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and you don't know much about him, but they go into this crazy backstory about his desire to own a football team and negotiations with the NFL, and it doesn't work, so he starts the AFL, and he go like he recruits all these other owners who've been spurned by the NFL, and then the, oh, wow. the finances. So that leads, very interesting book. I'm going on forever. It's worth reading, but uh, I was uh, you know, filibustering to try to give Ty enough time to think of something to recommend. So if you have some time, have some time. I appreciate that. <laughs> I got to check that one out, though. I did, I did, honestly, I didn't know. I'm a football player. I didn't know that people were just getting punched in the face and that's related to the development of the space. <laughs> but that's, that's funny and informative. I appreciate that. Um, as far as me, um, so, uh, I'll, I'll recommend you guys on a book, but I need to explain a little bit. Um, so I'm I'm really into meditation, my, mindfulness, and spiritualness, and I think, I think uh, meditation can improve a lot of people's lives from focus to anxiety to uh, nervousness, all that, um, patience, but, um, there's, there's, I think a lot of people over, over complicate meditation. It's, it's not as, you know, complicated as a lot of people think. And so there's, there's a good little intro- introduction book called, uh, True Meditation by, um, Adyashanti. It's 
It's, it's very short. Adyashanti. It's like A D Y A S H A N T I. It's a. Uh, it's like a nine. It's like a hundred pages. It's really quick. It's a good intro book, but um, it, it breaks down meditation and mindfulness, and it honestly changed my life. And I've been implementing meditation every day since. So. Awesome. That's cool. Uh, I th- I think that brings us to the end. Gave you any final closing thoughts before we sign off? Um, no, just static playing in my brain. Not much. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> well, thanks again, Ty. It's awesome having you on. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime in the future. Maybe uh, around about the time when we're going to have real football, we can get an update on yeah. where it stands, or if there's any yeah. uh, breaking news around Pac-12 unity. Uh, like I said, we're very supportive of both the concept and of the, the, the items that you stand for and hope that you get some progress there and love that you came on, uh, to, to give it a little bit more flavor and a little bit more texture. I think it's going to help people understand it a lot better. Uh, we have a, a standard sign off to our podcast that, uh, next week we hope to be joined by Cody Pickett, but this time I think we did even better this week. So thanks again, Ty, and we'll talk to you all again in a couple weeks. Thank you guys all for having me, man. It was so much fun, and I appreciate you guys for having me. And continue the the conversation, man. This is this is definitely something we can continue to have discussions on. Appreciate you guys. For sure. And bye, everybody. I never know how to sign up.